Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I just realized that every time I say, I think as I'm getting more used to saying the intro to the podcast, I'm instead of saying low-key as two words, I'm saying low-key. Like, like the Thor villain. <laughs> yeah, we're brought here by the Norse god of tricks. Right. Yeah. Uh, specifically, game facts. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah, a Loki video game podcast would literally be like the uh, the like Game Boy Color uh, tips and tricks book that you would have bought at like a school book fair. Real talk. Prima strategy guides were yeah. often wrong. Really? Uh, they had the famous in the red and blue Pokemon Primo strategy guide. It was like, make sure you use your master ball on something valuable, like a Fero. Oh my god! <laughs> and like, listen, Fero's great. Like, yeah, Fero will get you through the first few gyms, but <laughs> master ball, yeah. you'd have to go back yeah. to Viridian City and catch a Fero with a master ball. That's actually terrifying that they would recommend to do that. Yeah, because Brady games all the way. Yeah, as soon as you hit Mewtwo, what do you do if you don't have a master ball? I've never in my life like went up against Mewtwo without that I did the first time oh yeah yeah the first time I ever played blue I remember specifically playing that game for about three hours throwing ultra balls I'm really happy you had blue because I had red oh yeah this dynamic has now proved to be (laughs) that's yeah I I don't care about your zodiac sign I just care (laughs) which see I care about your zodiac which version of Pokemon. Pokemon you got yeah anyway Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, so you might notice that it sounds different. It's because Stephen is here in New Jersey. I'm in New Jersey, the Garden State. The Garden State. Uh, the mall state is more apt in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of depressing. Yeah, fewer fewer gardens, more malls. Um, but yeah, because of that, it's going to sound a little bit different because we're recording using one mic. Um, they're, it's the middle of the summer. It's the middle of the day, which means that there's people outside mowing their lawns which you can probably hear yeah hopefully our in-person chemistry will make up for the yes. like random chaos around us yes exactly yeah this is ian malcolm all the way this episode this is a red version of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm laughing at brendan pointing to a sudden sound that erupted oh i was talking about the giant oh, tapestry the giant, well, of ian yeah, malcolm there is, uh, <laughs> our i guess our unofficial third guest is a, a giant tapestry of jeff goldblum yeah i have um, a if, if you all know that scene from Jurassic Park where Ian Malcolm opens up his shirt, uh, I have a big painted tapestry of that that covers an entire wall in my it's apartment. Awesome. It's really great. Yeah. It was uh, one of those impulse buys when you're at your lowest. <laughs> you know? I think you're at your highest, man. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was funny. It came in the mail and then I put it up and then I had it up for like three days and I was like, I am ashamed by this purchase and then I put it in a box for a little bit and then like a month later I pulled it out again I was like I'm gonna put this up and live with it and yeah. now it's my favorite thing in the apartment it's great I love yeah. it it's a good time so Brendan what have you been playing recently so I was in Italy and France for a little bit so I didn't have that much time to play video games um, but I did have a lot of time um, on planes and during that time I played a lot of Okami HD on the Nintendo Switch Hell yeah which I know you also played I have what is your history with Okami? Um, I guess also just for the listener, Okami is a game uh, from Capcom. Yes. Came out 2006, I believe. I, that sounds right. Yeah, 2006. I think it was originally on PS2, and then yep. since it's been on every system yeah. after that. It's probably one of three games that motion controls are well suited for, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the Wii version was actually like one of the best Wii games at that time. Yeah, yeah, they re-released it for the Wii. Not the HD version, but just like yeah. ported it over. But eventually. basically you play as Omaterasu, the goddess of the sun, who's been kind of fictionalized as a white wolf. Mm-hmm. 
and it's known for being very Zelda-esque, which we'll get into when we talk about it more, yeah. whether or not that label holds up. But it's a kind of action-adventure game where you play as this wolf, and you unlock, in place of items or spells, you unlock different brush strokes, which you actually do with a calligraphy brush, and they have different effects, such as like making trees blossom or raising the sun, and that will help you solve puzzles and fight enemies. Yeah. And it's... It's honestly one of my favorite games, and yeah. uh, I think it's fantastic. And I think the art style is better than ever in HD. Yeah. Um, if so. you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, I would recommend like going on Google Images quickly and just like checking out what the game looks like because it it looks like an old um, like Japanese uh, woodblock painting or yeah. woodblock. Yeah. It is really spectacular. Also, weird like in the weeds note about the HD version on Switch. I don't know if this is true on the other ones, but you can actually change the filter effect yeah. in the settings to either make it look more or less like one of those woodblock paintings, which I think is really interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I played it originally on PS2. Uh, loved it. Loved it, loved it. Like, easily was my number one game ever for a long time. Um, and then got it again on Wii and played, like, through the intro and then did not continue playing it. And then the HD ones came out, and I didn't play it until it came out on Switch, and I was like, you know what? It's been long enough. I think it's time to revisit this. And I started revisiting this, and it is really good. It super holds <laughs> up. It super holds up. Yeah, it does. I think the only thing that I don't like is I forgot how annoying the sidekick is in the beginning. Oh, okay. Uh, in the very beginning. Yeah, he, yeah. he gets better. So basically, uh, in the story, like... The character you're playing as Amaterasu is a silent protagonist. Yep. Which works really well because every character you meet is super goofy. Yeah. And you're just like just this neutral wolf the whole yeah. time who's usually bored. Right. Like, that's my favorite thing. Yeah. The reactions <laughs> the reactions are always a heavy yawn, or um, like it'll cut to you and you're asleep. Ishun, I believe, is the psychic's mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Um they are a bug that is like a kind of like Don Quixote artist yeah. with like very large pretensions. They're basically like a Disney villain sidekick. Yeah. It is in the beginning. It was just like I don't know. I, maybe I was just in a bad mood. But I find them. I found them like a little grating in the very beginning. Yeah, I get and that. And I think that the game. I forgot that in the first like hour, there's a little bit of hand holding. Yeah. Like you'll get a new ability, and then you'll be like, oh, like cool. I could probably use that somewhere else. And then Ishun is like, you could probably use this somewhere else. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it works because I had to remember like when this came out. It's a very new, like using this calligraphy brush to solve your problems is like a very new idea. Yeah. And they kind of have to set you up to succeed because later on you don't get that yeah. like direct advice. So it works for me. Like once you get to sort of the Hyrule field equivalent mm-hmm. and the game opens up, that's where it really starts to get really good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I I would say my one complaint with it, um, and this is the reason that I didn't replay it when it came out on the Wii, was uh, the I think the, the dialogue is so drawn out yes. and there's no way to skip it. And cutscenes. You can like in inter- like when you're playing the game, but in cutscenes there's yeah. no way to skip it. Yeah, it it, it is like Animal Crossing talk. Yeah. Uh and yeah, it's there's rough. it's it's not even like a hold A to like make it all appear at once kind of thing. It's like you just have to sit there and watch it all scroll across the screen. That's kind of what I meant with the psychic being annoying. Yeah, because, like, yeah. That was that's, it was yeah. doubled by that effect. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the I think the sidekick definitely. I get what you're saying. To me, it's like a whole game thing. Like even even now, I think I'm like maybe eight to ten hours in somewhere in that vicinity. Like 
even now it still feels like, come on, man. I, I know, I know, I know the brush effects. Like I know how this works already. Yeah. Just let me like play the video game that I love so much. Um, but every once in a while you get those cutscenes that are like absolutely hilarious. And yeah. usually it's all visual comedy. It's not even the dialogue that yeah. is the funny part. I almost wish there was no dialogue. Yeah. Right. Game. I get what I you're feel saying. Like, yeah. Some of the most beautiful moments in the game. So one of the like optional kind of side quests. A lot of the game is using your powers to bring life back to this cursed land, and that yeah. way it kind of reminds me of Breath of the Wild a lot. Oh yeah, um, I was gonna say Twilight Princess. Yeah, I mean, that, not even the wolf thing. That's the thing too. <laughs> that this game came out and it was very Zelda inspired, and and like it was right before Twilight Princess came out. Yeah, which you were Wolf Link, so right. That's why I think it kind of went under the radar. Mm-hmm. You can buy items to feed to animals yeah and then there's like a cutscene where it just shows you in this like beautiful garden as a proud wolf watching an animal eat whatever you fed yeah. it and oddly enough like those are one of my favorite moments in the game like it is totally. so soothing and like immersive in a we- weird way it, it reminds me of like that kind of zen feeling you get from animal crossing yeah so seeing like the life in this world happen like that that's where the game really shines is like what would be tedious in different hands, the the visual effect and the music and the atmosphere bringing trees back to life and feeding animals yeah. is so rewarding. Yeah, I found myself. So I, I started playing it and I was like, OK, this this dialogue is really heavy handed. This is like really, really, really tutorializing something that I don't think needs to be tutorialized. And it wasn't even just because I was I had played the game before. It was just like this feels really, really intense uh, yeah. and really heavy. I agree. But. The first time in the main starting town that I went through and I brought all the trees back to life and I got rid of the curse and like all of the citizens of the town were kind of like bopping around and doing their like weird dances or whatever they were doing. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is why I love this game. Yeah. Like immediately because there are other games that tried that, right? Like the blob, I think, is one of them that had like the color thing. Um, Uh I don't know if you played the saboteur, which was like a Ubisoft game that came out once. They never did it again. But it was like you were in Nazi occupied France and it was all in black and white. And as you removed Nazis from certain areas of France, the color would come back to those areas. Oh, wow. Um, so, like, other games have tried that, and it, it works to certain degrees. But I think nowhere does it work better than in Okami. Yeah. Uh, just because the art style is so breathtaking, it always. Is. Yeah, it really is. Even in combat where it's, like, more uh, yeah. anxiety-inspiring, like, it is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, like, kabuki theater music when you're fighting. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that's the exact term for it, but that's kind of what I was thinking of. Yeah. Another recurring thing in the game that I love is there are lo- there are a lot of like Don Quixote esque characters who like think they're incredible and yeah. they're really not. Yeah. And there's one guy who's a recurring character, uh, Susano. Yeah. Who like thinks he's this great warrior, but he's kind of like a lazy drunk. Right. And uh, the first time you meet him, he's like, "I'm gonna train," and he like, you know, swings at something and misses. Yeah. But you can go in and draw with your calligraphy brush to actually strike it yeah and you you have a lot of those mini games throughout where you actually have to like it's essentially a quick time event right but it's done in a way that like makes those cutscenes that can often be grueling yeah. way more involved yeah if you think about like an early god of war game those quick time events i mean at, at the time of god of war those were like amazing and nobody mm-hmm. had ever seen them before but as soon as you got to god of war 2 like so many other games had done quick time events and yeah they were so grating and like people just didn't want to do them anymore yeah, yeah. it's like no just let me do the thing i don't want to just slam x and have you know a cutscene do it for me or sure. just have a cutscene do it the thing about okami the way that they pull it off is just like usually quick time events are used for comedic effect like that um and it makes it worth it going through the motions of like not only needing to do a quick time event but needing to think about 
what you're supposed to be doing, right? It's not just like an X pops up on the screen and then you hit X. It's like, okay, wait, which brushstroke of the like 15 that I have is the one that they actually want me to do during this motion? Yeah. Um, it's really, it's wonderful. And that's wonderful. where I think the motion controls can actually be helpful. So I, that's why I want to ask you. Are you yeah. playing with the motion controls? Right now I'm playing just with the remote. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure there are touch, excuse me, touch screen controls as well, right? Yeah, there are, yeah. I haven't that, turned them on, but... That to me feels like the best way to do it. Yeah. Um... But it on its because I've been playing a handheld mostly. Yeah, me too. But on a TV, I imagine motion controls would be the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that like the reason I think that this is likely the definitive version of the game is that all those options are present. Yeah. Which is amazing. Exactly. Because I think on Wii you just had to do yeah. the motion controls. <laughs> and thankfully it worked out. Yeah. Um, and you know when you do the brush strokes, like the action stops. Right. And you see a brush come down, you do it. Yeah. So like. Two great things I I don't think I've ever noticed, or maybe I did, but it's been 12 years, so I just It's been forgot. a while for me, too, yeah. But I love that you can move the camera around, even though, like, this big uh, paper filter goes over the entire screen, it looks like it just kind of freezes wherever you are. You can still move the camera in that yeah. movement. Um, but at the same time, there's, in the upper right corner, you can see the amount of ink that you have yeah. that you can draw, so you can, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I just think it's awesome. Now, something that... Uh, it reminds me of Comic Zone, weirdly. <laughs> We can't talk about Comic Zone again. I, but it does. It reminds me of Comic Zone. We does. just played a little bit of Comic Zone before we did, we yeah. yeah um, uh, Newsflash. It does not hold up. It does not hold up. It does not hold up. Do you ever play Comic Zone? I don't think it ever held, honestly. <laughs> um, but I was, interesting, uh, I was interested in talking to you about this because I think, like, famously this game has been called, like, the best Zelda game that's not a Zelda game kind yeah. of thing. And I'm, tr I'm thinking about it now, and I honestly feel like there are definitely very strong Zelda influences, but playing it now, I feel like the game has such an identity of its own, especially with the direction Zelda has gone mm -hmm. recently. How does that label strike you now? Or do you think that it's fair to call this game like a Zelda, like, yeah, clone I, in some ways? I weirdly think there are elements of it that are actually more Zelda-esque now than they were when it came out. And there's yeah. certain elements that are not anymore. Um, so, for example, you get most, not all, but a big chunk of the brush strokes that you'll get in the entire game, you get pretty early on. Sure. That's very similar to how Breath of the Wild and Link Between Worlds work, where you yeah. get like all of the items whenever you want them or uh, all at once, like in Breath of the Wild. But also those games are a little bit more open-ended in a way that Okami is not. Okami is very, very streamlined, very, um, what is that called? Railroaded. Yeah. Uh, in a way. Um, I was most interested because I, I was thinking about that as I was playing it because um, that was not a thing that occurred to me the first time I played it because I was not really thinking about games in that context. Yeah. Um, so playing it this time, I was thinking a lot about the Zelda influence. Uh, and the first time I got to a dungeon, like the first dungeon that you do with the big, uh, what is it, the spider queen is, is the, the boss yeah, of that dungeon. Yeah. I was like, okay, here we are. This is like the Zelda dungeon. Let's see what this is all about. And it really ends up just being like a very straightforward romp through this dungeon where like... There aren't really that many puzzles. Mm -hmm. uh, you get like one new ability that you use for like 30 seconds and in the boss fight and that's kind of it. Um, and there's combat, which, you know, the Zelda games don't really have that kind of combat in the game. There's no like arena combat like that. So even though they have the same like dungeon trope, there's it's not like here's the forest temple or here's the water yeah, temple yeah. or whatever. It's just like, no, here's just like a cave that you're in. And it just happens to end with a boss fight and you got a new ability along the way. But it doesn't feel like Zelda to me. I get where you're coming from. I agree. I feel like that that comparison has weakened in yeah. the years because I think that Zelda, this game came out when Zelda was falling into its structure the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. This came out Absolutely. right before Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess. Yeah. And I feel like 
Ocarina up until Skyward or Ocarina through Skyward Sword. Other than Wind Waker, I feel like all those games very much stayed in the same realm yeah. of structure. Railroaded for sure. Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Just the game is 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 taking you along. Whereas Breath of the Wild, you know, you you had that brief moment at Great Plateau, then you can literally do anything. Yeah, like truly. <clears throat> right. um, so I think that if anything, aesthetically and thematically, this definitely shares a lot with Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But I think that it really – I was happy to f- see and feel that it feels like its own game. Yeah. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, that it's considered, like, you know, a Zelda-adjacent game because it's been by Capcom. And Capcom is the only non-Nintendo company that has kind of done Zelda. Yeah. Other than the horrible CDI ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But because um, Capcom did – well. I think they're called Flagship. It's like a subsidiary of Capcom mm. that handles some of the Game Boy games. Mm. And they did... Minish Cap, right? They did. I think they did Minish Cap, but they definitely did Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages. Yeah. And that was an interesting, that was an interesting entry in Zelda's canon because right. one game was very puzzle-centric and one game was very combat-centric. Yeah. Um, but regardless... Uh, it's interesting that they make the Zelda game because they had at one point in time made a Zelda game. Before. Yeah, I, I think where it deviates um, and to its credit and does find that uh, voice that you're talking about that kind of uh, separates it from Zelda is really in the amount of stuff you can do outside of the main storyline. Yeah, like the amount of side quests in this game you don't really see in a Zelda game until Breath of the Wild. Yeah, you know what I mean? There have been over 10 years of Zelda games and only now are we getting that kind of like, you know, go out and either do the main quest or like 45 other things like feed all the animals that you're talking about, go revive all these like patches of grass, go do this combat uh, thing over here, which will revive this area or like this person needs more sake or something and go help them get that. Or like, I don't know, use your brush to fill in somebody's fishing rod. Things like that um, are things that don't really show up in Zelda games that much. Uh, A little bit in Wind Waker, but not yeah. really at all in Twilight Princess. And that's why I think Okami, for me, is so high on my list of games because and I think this is why it kind of became a cult classic was because it kind of showed what you could do in a Zelda game before Zelda took yeah. those risks. Absolutely. Yeah. Now it feels like, okay, like this is not quite as ambitious as Breath of the Wild. A few things are. Yeah. But before Breath of the Wild, it was like, why isn't Nintendo doing this as Zelda? Yeah. You know, it's sort of like a what if kind of scenario yeah and the other thing too that i didn't remember is the combat is awesome yeah like the, the it's fight, really good they kind of do an interesting thing where it's real-time combat you basically like you can use your brush strokes to finish enemies off but you're just sort of like wailing at them with your like talisman thing on your back yeah it does an interesting thing where when you're on the world map there are these like flags floating around these kind of ghostly figures yeah these ghostly like flags of fabric and if you hit it, if you run into them, it brings you into this kind of closed off zone where you have to finish off an enemy. Or yeah. you could like run through a tear in the like, yeah, dimensional is, portal. I love that. You could escape at any time. It's a really interesting way to do random encounters with real time combat. Yeah. Um, and I think it pays off. And it even gives you like a RPG-esque like display of like how fast you beat the enemy, mm-hmm. how much you got, you know, from defeating them. It's awesome. It's an awesome game. And I think that like for a game that's 11 years old, yeah. I think it holds up exceptionally well. Yeah. There are obviously games even older that are still heralded as classics, but I think that, that from that, like, Wii early 360 era, yeah. um, 
it it plays amazingly. Yeah. And uh, even even with the sort of annoying cutscenes and um, I shouldn't say annoying cutscenes because there's some really really funny moments. Yeah. But the <laughs> The inability to skip dialogue is brutal sometimes. Yeah, it's really And rough. the Animal Crossing speak can yeah. kind of get to you after a while. Right. Um, yeah, the thing is, so I, it's worth mentioning, like, there is a way to skip a cutscene. Like, you could hold down the plus button, I think, and skip a cutscene, but you skip it in its entirety. Yeah. So it's not like you can fast forward through the dialogue after reading it the way you would in most games, which is where it And there's no way to edit text speed. Right. Which exactly. is like, that's... That's the reason I can play Octopath Traveler is because I can yeah skip, I can read the line and move on yeah. If I had to wait through every line of dialogue in that game, I would have not talked about it as endearingly <laughs> as I did. Yeah, same. So definitely same. Yeah, yeah. I um, one one more note about the combat. Now that I'm just thinking about it a little bit more. There are actually two things that I really love. Uh, so you get you can see it on the box art. You have this like mirror thing on your back that you can use to hit enemies and whatever. But you start to unlock more weapons over time, and there are different kinds of weapons. So there's like uh, what is it like the bead whip? Yeah, is one yeah. of them. Uh, there's another version of the mirror that like lets you do an extra brush move, where if you just like poke a little dot on someone, it like shoots a bullet at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Um, but what they have is like a primary and a secondary uh, piece of equipment, so you can say okay i'm gonna use the bead whip as my main one uh because you get like this extra range and stuff and it allows you to combo easier but if you set the mirror as your secondary instead of like okay i'm gonna switch back and forth between these two like you would expect it actually just gives you an extra ability based on whatever you have in the sub slot so the mirror you can actually use as a shield so if you like time certain uh things where like an enemy will come and attack you if you hit the secondary ability button at the right time it'll do like a parry and then they get knocked out and then you can attack them again uh, which gives another depth of the combat that you would only get if you set up the equipment in that specific way right right so there's like this added layer of depth just like okay what am i going to equip where what do i like you could take that mirror and have it as your secondary for the rest of the game if you wanted to and if you got really good at parrying like that's a totally viable thing to do um and on top of that i think the the even more interesting thing is that all the enemies not only do they have, like, certain ways that you can beat them, but they have, like, certain secret ways that you can beat them faster. Like, if you use brushstrokes in, like, kind of an ingenious way, yeah, uh, you, you can take them out faster than just, like, whacking them with whatever item you have equipped, uh, which is really fun. And then I think you get rewarded for that, right? You get the dragon fangs for doing do. that if you beat them the secret way, yeah, which is lovely. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's also kind of fun playing it because... In my brief time playing uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, mm-hmm. uh, Amaterasu was like a solid member of my team constantly. Yeah. So it's, and it is like, she definitely fights like she does in that game too. It yeah. It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okami's lovely. It's great. And I think it's only 20 bucks on Switch. It's only 20 bucks if you've never played it, which honestly, I think like a lot of people haven't for yep. a game as like known as this. I feel like a lot of people know this game, but they haven't played it. What's weird is like, this game when it first came out so it came the studio that made it um within capcom is called clover studios mm-hmm. it's the first game they made oh wow uh it, it capcom basically like threw it out to die like they didn't promote it really or anything the only reason that so many people know about it is because the art style was so striking that the games press were like we have to cover this because yeah. this is amazing looking yeah. uh the game came out didn't really get promoted outside of games industry press, which meant that, like, the general public didn't really buy it. Uh, and Clover Studio shut down, like, immediately. Oh. So that studio is gone. They released this game. And ever since, Capcom was like, oh, wow, this game was actually good. I yeah. guess we'll keep releasing it on yeah. every console. 
Yeah, every single console since. Which is kind of a bummer. I, I hope that all the people that worked at Clover are like getting recognized and have jobs yeah, elsewhere absolutely. making cool stuff. I haven't really followed the lineage of, of that studio, but um I love I love Okami. It is super holding up. And like you said, if you haven't played it, like definitely, definitely get yeah, it. Yeah, it's Switch. twenty bucks for and this is also like a again, like we don't wanna like uh, determine a game's value by like hours or whatever. Yeah, but like, absolutely. This is another game that you will be like, "How did I pay twenty bucks for this?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, even still, even even now, being eleven years old. So yeah. yeah, I would definitely, as a Switch owner, I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, same. Get Okami. Get Okami. Let's take a break. Let's do that. Uh, let's take advantage of this brief silence from outside. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people mowing their lawns today. They yeah. knew we were recording. Yeah. So, but scheduling a follow-up appointment, you're just there, you yeah. do it, and you're great. Yeah. You keep that new cut look going. <laughs> <laughs> I've never sounded so cool and lame at the same time. <laughs> that was like straight out of an infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> when I first was born, I didn't know what I was doing. Now I know how to keep my fresh look going. <laughs> Aren't you tired of looking like a Lego man? With placeable hair. You want to jump back in? I would love to talk about video games and not uh, weird things I Cats said under or, anesthesia. Or... <laughs> Let's go back. Yes. Welcome back to video games. We are going to talk about video games. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. What's um, your What's your favorite one? <laughs> no, what, what, um, we, we were talking about Splatoon. Uh, we, we had to take a break before because uh, there was some lawn mowing happening like yeah. right outside the window. Uh, and during that brief interim, we talked a little bit about Splatoon, but you just started playing it like for real, for real. Yeah. As a yeah. person who has mentioned on this podcast that you don't really like shooters, you've been saying that you love Splatoon. So I really do. Um, as someone who has played a lot of Splatoon 1 and even more of Splatoon 2, I would love to talk about it. Splatoon 2 feels like, so I grew, I was born in 1990. I, I grew up. I was most influenced by marketing in the early 2000s. Yeah. Hence why we both had front flips. Um, <laughs> yeah. It feels like the culmination of that marketing where it's like, hey, kids, like, do you like Gogurt and slime? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I love it. It is so. You, so I, you told me this, that it's the same uh, team as Animal Crossing. Yep. And it super feels like that because it's a shooter, but you have this like kind of central hub town. Mm -hmm. And there's always these like VH1 kind of announcements yeah. from this amazing duo yep. of of celebrities that announce the new changes in the game, and uh, it just has everything I want in a game. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of uh, customization options in terms of your attire, yeah, which is like ranges from. I mean, I can't even. I, I don't have any synonym. It's just everything. Yeah, it's amazing. My person looks like a. Uh, scrapped character from pulp fiction i guess mm. <laughs> I, have a I have a punk uh, this game says it's punk rock yeah which i believe it's it, punk rock yeah i have a punk rock hawaiian shirt and sunglasses yeah and like high top converses mm -hmm. hell yeah yeah um and the range of weapons is really cool because um for anyone listening who doesn't know splatoon you it's basically paintball but what's cool is that you shoot the arena you're in the level you're in and you cover it in your team's uh, paint color. Mm -hmm. 
which is also like a great lesson of like, what are cool complementary colors? Yeah. You know? But the more area you have covered in your paint, you can swim in that paint. You go faster and you also basically reload doing that. Yeah. So it's in every mode of play, it's advantageous to have more of the arena covered in your paint. Yeah. And the weapons are like very interesting. Like the standard weapon is like basically like a, a nerf gun. Yeah. Super that, soaker. Yeah. Yeah. That shoots out like it's an automatic rifle basically. But then you also just have, like, buckets of paint that are basically shotguns, I guess. Yeah. And then you have, like, a giant paint roller. It's, mm-hmm. like, a giant paintbrush that you just, like, put on the ground. That's my favorite. Yeah. That and the two, like, cowboy twin guns. Yeah. And if I'm rolling into the Pulp Fiction kind of vibe, that's what I play with. Yeah, totally. Um, There's also, like, a, a regular paintbrush that is kind of like a sword in yeah. a way, which is interesting. I like seeing their take on, like... Uh, what would be kind of conventional weapons, how mm-hmm. they equate to the world of Splatoon. Yeah. Um, and they all have different stats. There's like different versions of each one. So like, okay, there's the there's the paint bucket, but there's also the one, it's like the tri-slosher, I think it's called, yeah. right? Which has like three alcoves of different paint that kind of goes out in a shotgun pattern. Um, and depending on which one of those you use, you also get different sub-abilities. So you have like a, like a super kind of like a Destiny-esque like super that you can use mm-hmm. um, that changes depending on your loadout. So there's like a lot, a lot of depth. Yeah, it's very layered. For a game that feels like it's like on the surface, like, I mean, it's definitely like a for everyone game. You can yeah. play it at any level you want. Yeah, Smash Brothers-esque in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of kids would obviously love this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I feel like I wish I was a teenager, like when I play this. Yeah. Like, it sounds like pathetic. But no, it's I know what you like, mean. Yeah. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm not this yeah. cool. But as someone who doesn't usually enjoy shooters, I think because, and we talk about this a lot with like a uh, tone of games, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, this game's tone is so infectious. Yeah. It's, it's so uh, inviting and it's like aura of just like over the top fun summertime shit. Yeah. You know, I can't think of a better term. No, it is exactly that. Um, yeah. So I've been really enjoying it. And I think that's why I, I like shooters like this and Overwatch and other things where it's not just like, you yeah. know, uh, gray military <laughs> stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, even that's also like, I'm not as into Destiny as you are, but that's why I like Destiny because it's like this really fun world. Yeah. It's space fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, like even even Halo gets a little bit like in its own head in terms of how seriously it's taking itself. Sure. Right. Whereas Destiny is like, no, no, no. You're a warlock yeah. in space. And and you shoot fire out of a sword as you're flying through the air. Like I've mentioned, how I like fighting games a lot, and I feel like I would like fighting games way less if it was like two guys in a back room, right? Dull, like dull lighting, just punching each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Imagine like uh, remember that game Manhunt. Uh, yeah. Like, like, imagine if they took Manhunt and turned that into a fighting game. Like, I, would have no I could interest. see a company doing that and sure. trying to do that, and like, it would be terrible. But fighting games are like, fighting games are basically like the video game equivalent of the WWE, where it's like all about the spectacle. Yeah, it's totally. all about the drama. I love that. Yeah, Splatoon feels like that. Splatoon feels like that. Yeah, it feels like yeah, it's about it's a, like obviously you have your objectives as a team. There are different modes to play. But the game, the matches are like what two minutes? At least I've been playing the regular battles because I've, I've just started. Yeah, so they're I forget how minutes. long they are. Maybe two or five. Something the like ranked that. ones probably are a little bit longer. Yeah. Either way, they're quick enough. That you fly like, through them. Yeah. You know, whenever even if your team's like, I mean, getting cream doesn't feel great. Yeah. But it's still such a spectacle to play. Mm-hmm. I am loving it. Yeah. And I think that that's like 
we we dunk on the Wii U a lot, but the Wii U brought us Splatoon. We should thank it for that. Yeah, totally. I played uh, Splatoon one when it came out, and I didn't know anyone else that had a Wii U <laughs> or or Splatoon. Uh, so I just kind of played it by myself a lot while a lot of my friends were playing Destiny one. Um, I was like, hey guys, there's this really good game on Wii U, and everyone was like, well, I'm not gonna buy a Wii yeah, U for Splatoon. Sure. Uh, so it's it's nice that Splatoon two came out so quickly because it really does. If you play the first one and you play this one, um, it really does feel like they just took the game and ported it over and they were like, well, we could probably add some extra stuff and call it a sequel, you know, Um, which I am not against. I I just want to make that perfectly clear. Like, I'm fine with that um, because I think Splatoon 2 is a better game than the first one in almost every way, Uh, even down to the single player. I think the single player is more fun in two than one. Um, have you played the single player? A little bit. Um, oh, you haven't finished it yet? I haven't. Okay, no. you should do that. Yeah, I should. It's it's pretty cool. It definitely explains the basics of... It's like a glorified... Um, not glorified, but it's like a more fleshed out tutorial in a way. Yeah. Where like you, you'll you go into multiplayer knowing more of the subtle nuances of the game after playing the single player. Yeah, exactly. You'll get a little bit more equated with some weapon types that I think you wouldn't gravitate towards normally. Like, or even just little things like you can go through grates or yeah, you know, stuff yeah, yeah. like that. Uh, and by the time you're done with it, you will unlock some things for multiplayer that will be fun um, that maybe you won't use, but maybe you will. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's worth exploring. I, I definitely recommend it. Um, there's also some DLC out that neither of us have played, but maybe one day. But yeah, I, I love I love Splatoon 2. Um, I found myself when it came out, basically like everyone I knew that had a Switch, we all got Splatoon at the same time. We made like a Facebook group where we were like, like keeping track of, okay, who is free when? Like we're all going to group up together. Um, I will say the one thing that I hate about Splatoon, this was true in the first one, true in the second one, and, and like really feels worse in the second one because I know more people who have it this time is... If you team up with someone, if you're like, okay, the four of us are going to play Splatoon together, it does not put the four of you on the same team. Even oh. even if you're like partying up the way you would in every single video game that's ever been made sure. with multiplayer. If you party up together, it'll be like, okay, three of you on one team, one of you on the other one. Uh, or two of you on one team, two of you on the other one. Or every once in a while, it'll be like, oh, the stars have aligned and all four of us are on this team. <laughs> um, which is fun when that happens, but like... It's really a bizarre thing, um, and I know that they're doing it to keep things quote-unquote fair. That's their way of balancing things, so it's not unfair if right. you and the people that you're playing with are, like, just steamrolling like other people. Like an Overwatch where you might fight a team of, like, eight. Like, yeah, or, like, I, yeah. we were just talking about how um, Destiny 2 multiplayer is imbalanced right now because there's no matchmaking at all. It's, like, mm-hmm. literally they're not they're not basing it off of connection or skill. So, like, if you go up against a group of six people who are all in a party together, like, you're going to get rocked. Yeah. Um, that's what Splatoon is trying to avoid by splitting people up. I think to its detriment because the game is less fun to play with your friends while that's happening. Yeah, I think I would I would blame that too on just Nintendo. Like I we we love yeah. Nintendo here. Yeah, like Nintendo is like in another solar system of understanding multiplayer online stuff. Yeah, like, I don't I actually don't mind the friend codes. Like I think it's kind of like interesting. And yeah, I think it's like a good security measure. Um, for a system that's like also has a younger yeah. audience, I do think it's going to change with Nintendo Online next yeah. month. I think yeah, it's going to. I think they lock you into your username. We'll when that talk happens. more about that when that is unleashed. But yeah. I'm curious to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I think that that's that's kind of a bummer. I've only really been playing like by myself right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I would love to play with you though. Yeah, and we'll see what team we end up. On. Yeah, <laughs> different ones probably. Probably different ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's kind of that's kind of annoying. That should just be like an option, but it is a wonderful game, and it's it's so interesting. I can't stop thinking about how it's the same team as Animal Crossing. That makes so much sense in a weird way. Yeah, even though this is like 
the opposite vibe. Yeah. In a, in a way, like, this is very upbeat and like summertime and Animal Crossing is like sitting by a fire in the fall. Yeah. You know, with, like, that is exactly my, my like favorite time in Animal Crossing. <laughs> is, like, the fall winter months. Oh, yeah. Love that. Uh, yeah. yeah I, I think nowhere is it more evident that it's the same team than in both the Splatfest, which come like once a month just about or every two months, uh, which is when there's actually one coming up this weekend. Uh, where they'll basically say, okay, there's two teams. You have to align with one if you're going to play Splatoon this weekend during the Splatfest. Uh, in this case, it's Fork Team Fork versus Team Spoon, which is hilarious. Yeah, I'm Team Spoon, um, just for the record. <laughs> join, join Team Spoon. Yeah. Um, but you have to pick one of them, and then you basically just go in and play Splatoon normally, but they only match you up with people who are also playing Team Spoon. So like your team will be Team Spoon, and you'll always be playing against Team Fork people. Um, and whoever wins that game gets points for that team. Yeah, so, like, they'll do that every once in a while, and and that's really interesting, but they'll also constantly add new guns and constantly add new maps and constantly add uh, new equipment and new clothes that you can wear and stuff like that. They are constantly updating that game in the same way that Animal Crossing feels like it's always changing. Splatoon is literally always changing because there's, like, a new DLC update, like, every week just about yeah it's it's pretty incredible like i, I remember playing it for the first time and i'm like is this all new like because yeah, every time you open the game there's that show that talk show where yeah. they talk about new stuff and i was like is this just in the game or is this always new yeah and it's always new and that's incredible yeah every three hours the uh the matches for or the the stages for regular and ranked and i think what what is the one above ranked uh, league league yeah. yeah so regular ranked and league will switch every three hours I'm level nine some slowly creeping into ranked yeah um i'm not sure how competitive this game gets but very very yeah oh, yeah yeah it's cool there, there's a there's a skill ceiling definitely or sorry a, a skill curve to it if anyone needs anyone to paint the floor i'm there yeah with sunglasses (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's honestly that's what i love about it was like in the beginning definitely in splatoon 1 it was more me just like figuring out how to play the game but in splatoon 2 like i had you know hours and hours and hours of like practice playing so i was like okay i'm gonna like try and get into this the same way we were talking about last week about like getting into roguelikes and getting into uh fighting games and stuff like that i was like let me see what actual competitive splatoon feels like sure um so i got into like what the meta was and what guns were good and which ones were bad and like team roles and things like that it was really interesting it's really it's really cool how much depth there is to it i don't know how seriously people are taking it i know that nintendo themselves run events at e3 um where it's like here's the splatoon invitational where they actually get like esports teams to come and compete oh wow uh which is really fun watching high level splatoon is sick yeah highly recommended if you're ever on uh twitch and you see like like competitive Splatoon happening, definitely watch it because it's yeah. wild. But yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And there's like a bunch of new game modes that they've added since I've stopped playing, which is cool. So like I, I went back recently and I checked a couple of them out. I don't know if you played that one where you have to like collect the eggs and throw them into a basket. Is that Salmon Run? Not Salmon Run. It's oh. like a competitive version of Salmon Run kind interesting. of. Interesting. I haven't played that. No. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, do you want to talk about Salmon Run? Because Salmon Run's really good. Salmon Run's great. Yeah. So I love how <laughs> in the context of the setting of the game, you're in this like Times Square, yeah, you know, like really trendy area. Of yeah, Incopolis Square. There it is. I think it's what it's called. There it yeah. is. How do you get that good? Yeah. Um, in the back alley, there's this like sketchy shop, and the game sets it up like, "Are you sure you want to go here? This is like a really gross place." Yeah. Um, and you can do Salmon Run mode, which is like a wave-based survival mode where yeah. like a bunch of robot salmon come out of the water, and you have to fight them. And uh, there are boss characters that when you beat them, they all have like 
Zelda-esque kind of weaknesses yeah. where you like target them. And uh, once you beat them, they drop three golden eggs. They have to bring that back. Salmon eggs. Salmon eggs. Excuse me. Uh, salmon eggs. Uh, some salmon roe. Yeah. Uh, back to like the base. Yeah. And um, it's super difficult and really fun. Yeah, it really ramps up. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 some of it is like almost RNG based, depending on like the weapon set, because they change the weapon set every time Salmon Run comes. It back. almost reminds me a, a much slower pace Left for Dead in terms of yeah. like the boss characters having very specific things to do with them. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy that. I haven't played as much of that, but I, I, I've noticed that like. If you're playing a regular match, it fills up like that. Yeah. Salmon Run has a very specific audience. Yeah. Like, it takes, like, 30 times longer to find some people to play Salmon Run. Yeah. But uh, it, it's still super fun. It's cool that it's part of the game. Yeah. Whenever my friends and I would get frustrated that we weren't playing on the same team in, like, regular mode, we would always switch to Salmon Run and play yeah. that. Because it's that game is really... Yeah, because that's, like, you go in with four people and, like, you're coordinated. You, you will actually do pretty well. I do wish there was some kind of local multiplayer with Splatoon. Yeah. Like, I understand why there isn't because it is so uh, um, environment-centric that, like, splitting the screen would probably not be yeah. great. Yeah. But even just two people, I mm-hmm. think would be would be really awesome. Definitely, I think if you did um, not like the vertical slice, but if you did a horizontal slice, yeah, you could totally do that. That would probably work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you just out of curiosity, have you figured out? So the thing about Salmon Run, when you go into like the shady alleyway and you like join the thing, the person that owns the Salmon Run company talks to you through a, a, like a microphone and a speaker. Have you figured out who it is? Yeah, no, I haven't. Do you want? Do you want to know? I do. It's uh, I, it's not like a reveal, but it's a bear. <laughs> and, That's and you're collecting all the salmon eggs so he can grow them and eat them. <laughs> I like how it's comforting to know that that is the sketchiest the world of Splatoon gets. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's the underbelly of it is that the bear is hungry. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it's interesting. So uh, I was just pointing out when we were running around uh, Inkopolis right during the break, but there's a uh, a guy. He was a sea urchin in the first game. His name was Spike. Uh, and he was the one who upgraded your items. Now there's like a young sea urchin who who does it, and he's a little less sketchy. But Spike was like real sketchy. Spike was like out in the alleyway, and he was like almost like a burnout. Yeah. And he would like talk in really slow, like slurred speech. It was really strange, and you had to like give him like a weird item, and he would upgrade your stuff. But that was the sketchiest thing in the first game. And I love that in this game, it's like it's a so... secret bear. Yeah. In the fish world. <laughs> like Animal Crossing has always had an undercurrent of strangeness. Yes. Right. And this game feels like it's like just shining a spotlight on it. Yeah. Have we ever talked about the gyroids in Animal Crossing? No, let's talk about the gyroids. You, so for people who haven't played Animal Crossing, um, every single day there are three little spots that you can dig up in your town. Uh, and there are three things that can show up. One of them is a fossil, which you can then take to the museum and they can appraise the fossil and tell you what it actually is. And, and if you, can, you sell it, you're a bad person. Yeah, you can yeah. either donate it or if you've already donated that particular kind of fossil, that's you can, fine. You can sell fine. it and then you make a shitload of money. Uh, so that's one. Number two is a pitfall seed, which is like if you were to walk over it without uh, digging it up, you would just fall into it and you just have to press A over and over again until you hop out. But the third one is a gyroid and they're these little weird statues where if you put them down in your in your house they'll like kind of move around and make a strange noise and if you are playing music over a speaker and you have a gyroid in your house it'll do its weird movement and sound to the time of whatever song is playing uh and it, there's a bunch of different kinds of gyroids so you can like line a whole bunch of them up and like make weird music with them very strange the theory the going theory is that the gyroids are uh, villagers who have died oh wow and they get buried and this is like what they become they like transform into gyroids oh, over time. 
That, yeah, scary. in the first game especially, because in, in New Leaf, which I would say is probably the best Animal Crossing. At, yeah, for the record, 100%. You're the mayor. Yeah. So everyone has like an ounce of at least begrudging respect for you. <laughs> you're the mayor. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas in the first Animal Crossing, no one is happy about this new human in town. No. You know, and everyone's like, oh, like you're here. Like, while you're here, could you lend my Pokemon Pikachu to Gruff? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the first game is like, and <laughs> it's so funny how zen that game is and it's all about like predatory loans yeah basically yeah, and yeah. like uh um it's it's such a good game though uh i'm i am so excited i i am certain there will be a switch animal crossing game i know it hasn't been like announced Definitely. but i always take it like with because i feel like nintendo does a lot of internal marketing like Whoever's in Smash or Mario Kart or is an available icon yeah. in the Switch thing, Animal Crossing is everywhere. Yeah. Like they've they've cemented it as a first party platform. Mm-hmm. Or, or excuse me, first party like series, yep. basically. So They um, just made the mobile game. Like they're clearly trying yeah. to drum up more support for Animal Crossing. The same way they did uh with Fire Emblem. They made Fire Emblem Heroes for for mobile as a way to get more people into the idea of Fire Emblem so when the next game comes out, it'll destroy. Like, it's going to sell yeah. gangbusters on the Switch when that comes out. Yeah, I can't wait for that either. Yeah. yeah. But the same thing is happening with Animal Crossing. Like, they're trying to get more people into the franchise so when it comes out on Switch, it'll, like, destroy. That's going to be so good. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Same I way Pokemon... Sorry, uh, just to continue that thought. Pokemon Go, obviously, was, like, one of the biggest, hugest things. So now the next Pokemon game is, like, a regular mainline version of Pokemon that has the Go mechanics. Yeah. So it's an easy transition for the people that came in through Go. For sure. It's cool. Yeah, I, th- I think there will be one. Yeah. So, except I Googled it and everything, I was like, is there going to be one? Why there isn't one? Like, yeah. There's, there's no way. I would bet my life. Yeah. Kill me if there isn't one. One of the co-creators of the franchise just left the company also. So yeah. some people were like, oh, no, this is for the sure. end. This is super not the end. People yeah. come and go from companies all the time. Like, Animal Crossing is such a cash cow for Nintendo. There's no way in hell they're going to get rid of it. I'm just, I'm just waiting with bated breath. I, like... Every time there's a Nintendo Direct where they don't announce Animal Crossing, I get, like, increasingly more upset. Sure. Because um, that game is my lifeblood. I actually, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I went back and I started playing New Leaf a couple weeks ago. Like, oh. Like, I reset my town from scratch. Like, I just started from the beginning again. Um, and it's still lovely. It's still, like, it's the great. best game. That is the surreal, like, kind of theme of the game though is when you end up having to delete a town yeah it's sort of <laughs> it's and, like, and, and isabella's like everyone is going to disappear like isabella is like <laughs> like i it was funny i was talking to like as i was going through the motions of like deleting yeah. my town a friend and i were like texting back and forth about thanos from infinity war <laughs> <laughs> and and isabel says something along the lines of like you're gonna delete the entire town and all the villagers will go away forever and i all i could think was like perfectly balanced <laughs> as yeah. all things should be I, I i once saw a picture of someone had that conversation with isabel and the villager was wearing majora's mask <laughs> um yeah. yeah there there will definitely be one but Outside of that, I think Splatoon oddly captures that energy in a very different way. It does. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I agree. I, I love it. The, the teachings of Animal Crossing definitely come through. Sure. Yeah. The the quirkiness of it and, like, honestly, the town and the the ability to kind of explore it. And uh, it's not quite as lived in as Animal Crossing, but the fact that there is kind of like a hub world. Yeah. And, and the, the incremental change in the world constantly, right? It's a persistent world For where sure. everybody's experiencing changes simultaneously. Like, that does feel very Animal Crossing. And then there's always something coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. There's always something to look forward to. Like, like we just signed in 
before and it was like, hey, this Splatfest comes up this weekend. You can choose your side now and like make sure you tune in this weekend and you can play. I can't wait for Team Spoon to win. Yeah, Team Spoon is absolutely going to win. I don't, I don't see a world in which there Team was, Fork wins. There was, because the two hosts are arguing over which is the better utensil. I'm yeah. like, Spoon, I'm like, There's no, Spoon's way better. I've eaten way more things than Spoon. <laughs> I've eaten more things with a Spoon. And then the, uh, the other co-host is like, have you ever tried eating spaghetti with a Spoon? <laughs> I'm like, you got me there, Marina. Yeah. Oh, that was Pearl, actually. Yeah. Pearl. Marina's Team Spoon. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's take a break. Okay. Um, that sounds good. But Splatoon 2 is great. If you have a Switch and you don't have it, you should get it. Yeah. It's definitely iffy for some people. I know I know some people will like look at Splatoon and say, I don't think that's for me. Nine times out of ten when I show people Splatoon, they're like, this is great. Oh, the one thing I'll say about Splatoon that I absolutely hate and it drives me crazy every single time I turn it on is that they didn't spell it S-P-L-A-2-N. Yeah, Miss Opportunity. Really fucked me up. When they Seven announced out of it. ten. When they announced it as Splatoon 2. What the fuck are you doing, guys? Um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess it could be the, if you do like a more kind of serious tone, same way Wind Waker's graphics were divided at the time. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Um, if you're like, if you hate nautical life <laughs> and you hate Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah. And, and you hated art, Tumblr in 2010. Yeah. And you hate like Nerf and Gogurt yeah. and Ska, <laughs> uh-huh. then you will hate this game. Yeah. If you are like me mm-hmm. and you're the reverse, yeah, you'll like it. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's listen to some Scott. <laughs> Real big fish. No, they're do, oh. do, 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 Streetlight do. Manifesto were bust. <laughs> we're back. We're back. And uh, like Brendan said before, this has kind of been uh, a slower week because um, you've been in Italy. I was flying back home to Jersey and there isn't a ton of new stuff out other than Okami, which is a re-release. Yeah. Um, Not a ton of news really either. Like a couple of things got announced. Diablo got announced for Switch. Yeah, which is cool. We're both very excited about. Yeah. A couple other things here and there. Destiny update in a couple weeks, which is fun. But yeah. Besides that, you even play Mario Kart. Yeah, and, and we thought it'd be fun to talk about that because, like, I, I think it's a game that deserves some attention, even though it's, like, such a placeholder for Nintendo at this point. Yeah. I just think that, um, so, like, being back home, uh, Mario Kart was a game I played a ton with my family. And now that I'm back home, I, I was playing it with them and, like, playing with friends I visited. And it's just so awesome to return to that game and play what i feel is like the definitive version of yeah them. we're talking about uh eight deluxe on the switch eight by the way yeah, yeah for sure uh actually ironically starring the cast of animal crossing and splatoon yeah and um, zelda and then link <laughs> yeah just link though yeah unfortunately i would love to get uh darunia king of the gorons on the track but sadly just uh-huh. like prince sidon uh, prince sidon uh zant <laughs> prince sidon would just let anyone win if you played as him he would just like stay at the at yeah, the, he'd be like, I believe line. in you. I believe in you. Yeah. He has two sparkles. It makes yeah. everyone spin. You'll at least come in seven. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's swimming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is kind of funny how I feel like they like flirted with the idea of doing a Smash Brothers thing where like, anyone's in it and they stopped Animal Crossing. That's yeah. as far as we'll go. Yeah. Um Do you think they'll do that for the next Mario Kart? Do you think the next one will be like it's not really Mario Kart, it's like Super Smash Kart or something? Not that they'll rename it, but like That'd be so funny. They'll lean into it at release instead of adding these characters as DLC. I could see them adding a lot of first party yeah. characters. I don't think they'll add like Cloud or No, anything. no, I don't think so either. <laughs> but like 
it seems like this worked really well. Like it, it was did. like a test for them. And there the are F's, we were talking about this before. There are F zero levels. Yeah. Even though there's no. And they're F-Zero. really good F zero levels. Yeah. Like playing Mario Kart eight on those F zero levels kind of feels a little bit like F zero. I don't know if you're an F zero fan, but I, I like, am. Super was. Yeah. yeah. And they add enough speed boost to make it feel like it's fast. Like yeah. F zero game. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's fantastic. And this is also a game that kind of meets you where you are because. I would say that, like, objectively, it's one of the harder Mario Karts. I mm. think it feels like, I think the other two Mario Karts that, that objectively looking at the series that I think are really well-made games are Mario Kart DS yeah. and Double Dash. Yep. And this kind of feels like a combination of the two because it has really solid driving mechanics, really amazing levels. And the items, while are what you expect from Mario Kart, they're not like ludicrous like they were in Mario Kart Wii, where it was like every second was like God's wrath. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you're gonna get the 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 strongest item is probably the bullet bill, and you're only gonna get that if you're like in t- in tenth or eleventh right. place. Yeah. Um, if you're in the first four, you're gonna get shells, bananas, and coins. Right. Like, and and there are even items that you can use to deal with other items. Yeah. Like, Which I that's what I was gonna say. Like the game is balanced in a way that I don't think it ever has been before. <laughs> never. Like never. the fact that I could be in first place and there's a slim, but there is a chance of getting the the like super horn. Which allows me to deflect the blue shell. Yeah. Like, the blue shell comes at me, I'm in first place. Like, that's always going to happen. You'll get either one or two blue shells per race, and if you're good at the game and you're, like, in the first spot pretty frequently, like, you're going to get slammed by the blue shells multiple times. If you have that mega horn with you, you can get rid of it. Suddenly, it's like, oh, shit, I, I planned this out in a way that I never have in a Mario Kart game. Like, I held on to this item specifically for this moment, and I got to use it, and I pulled it off, and now I'm still in first. And, like, you can also it's incredibly shell, rewarding I think. to get rid of a blue shell. Yeah, you can throw it behind you. I think I think it knocks it out. Really? I know the Mega Horn works, like, 100%. I'm 75% sure a red shell also works. Maybe maybe if the blue shell is behind you and hasn't started doing the spinning yet. Yeah, once it's spinning, you're stuck. Yeah. But I think if it's on its way, you can knock That's it out. That's interesting. I haven't heard that, but I would like to try that. Yeah. Don't hold me to it. Yeah. I might be wrong. Yeah. But regardless, it's been really fun revisiting it. And, like, and the fact that it is one of the harder ones, but you can put on the... There are three options. Yeah. Uh, there's the auto accelerate, which I know some people would just prefer rather yeah. than holding the button. There's the tilt controls, which are motion controls if you want it. Yeah. And then there's an option where it will kind of make your center of gravity towards the middle of the track. So yeah. it always kind of pull you back, which is there kind of as like, okay, if you're maybe like don't play video games that much or yeah. are newer to the series. Nothing wrong with that, you know. That's the thing. Mario Kart's for everyone. Right. So the fact that, like, they made the game harder, but they had those options in place is awesome. Yeah. You know, because, like... It appeals to every single potential player of the game simultaneously. Yeah. Like, my mom put them on, but she was still really good, especially at Toad's Turnpike, mm-hmm. because we're from Jersey, and, like, that's the New Jersey level. Uh, <laughs> she got first yeah. on Toad's Turnpike on, like, 150cc. <laughs> That's amazing, um, yeah. I've just really enjoyed, um, you know, you might be like, why are you talking about Mario Kart? Like, it's been out for a while, like, whatever. But, yeah. like, just being home again and being with my family and, and, and lifelong friends, playing a game that we grew up with, and, like, seeing that it's, like, the best it's ever been is a really magical experience. Yeah. And, like, that kind of embodies the Switch for me. I'm, like, I'm just so happy Nintendo's back. And yeah. that, like, this is a game that they could release and make money on no matter what they do. Yep. They could have just crapped this out. I mean, yeah. some people considered this them crapping it out when it came out, the, oh, the really? Switch version. Yeah, because it was like, 
you know, okay, the Nintendo Switch came out. The, one of the first games out for it is Mario Kart 8. It's just a straight port of Mario Kart 8 from the Wii U, but with all the DLC included in it. Some people were like, that's kind of a cop-out, but whatever. You know, I to me, I was excited about it because I love Mario Kart 8. I think it's the best Mario Kart game, at least that I had ever played. Um, and I was just glad to have it portable. Like, that was That's sick. the thing. It's like... That is that and Splatoon One are probably like the two best things that Wii U provided for us. Yeah, and this is Nintendo basically being like, you don't have to buy a Wii U anymore. Right, yeah. <laughs> like Splatoon Two and Mario Kart Eight Deluxe are like, okay, like you can skip that system if you don't have it because chances are you don't. Right, and you could have the best of it. Yeah, here, and I'm sure they'll make another Mario Kart. Like, yeah, I I think it's fun. I think that like again to having the like. Especially this early in the system's lifespan, having these definitive versions of like all the DLC yeah. with the game on the Switch, because the Switch is kind of becoming like the desirable platform to play a lot of games. Like right. We talked about before Diablo three coming out for the Switch with everything with it. Yeah. Like I'm not saying <laughs> Saints Row the Third. You know everybody's <laughs> <laughs> everybody's favorite Saints Row game. Not one, two, or four, or five, or the one where they're in hell. But Saints Row Three, everybody's favorite one. That was a that was a peculiar one, the one where they were there, they were in hell. Mm-hmm. What's your real quick? What's your experience of the Saints Row series? Um, we mentioned this uh, off the show, but problematic fave. Problematic fave. Yeah, I, I think they're really goofy. The one where you have superpowers is better than Crackdown. Yeah, I've only played the second one. Oh, um, yeah, which I enjoy. Question mark. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of two. Uh, three is when they started to just say like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just do everything. Well, it's interesting because talking about a series that's kind of like we're talking about Okami is like Zelda's. Like, yeah. What if they went all in? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think Saints Row came out right when GTA released four. That was also when Call of Duty four came out. That was yeah. like Modern Warfare was a thing. Fallout three came out around that time. Yeah. Like every game was kind of uh, Twilight Princess. Every game was filtered through like the browns, grays and greens filter. Yeah. Um, GTA four being one of them. And then Saints Row three comes out and is like super goofy. Yeah. What if this yeah. what if this was Splatoon? You know? Like, <laughs> that was definitely the like the beginning of the Chris Nolan gritty Batman era. Yeah, no it was. Yeah. That was like the around the same year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that kind of was the zeitgeist of the time. Um anyway, sorry. We were talking about Mario Kart. No, yeah. What god, how did we get up in Saints Row? <laughs> I don't, oh, we were talking about uh, re-releases of games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've only played two. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, rent it, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's our final review of Saints Row. Yeah, I rent so. it. I, I just loved in like early video game journalism when the review was like, "Rent it, buy it, ignore it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love like. Do, or, is that even a thing anymore? Renting games? I don't think so. Probably right? not, right? Because yeah. that was like block. But God, yeah, I keep showing my age on this show. Yeah, we just uh, before we started recording, we just started playing uh, the blockbuster exclusive N sixty four game that was uh, a ripoff of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, where you played as a person on a razor scooter, and it was a razor and blockbuster collab. We joked in the last episode about how we're the only two people that ever played Comic Zone. I think that's probably false. I think that there were at least like a handful more people who played Comic Zone. We are the only two people (laughs) that played that Razor Scooter game. Yeah. You couldn't jump. You couldn't do anything. Yeah, none of the buttons worked, which is really interesting. Anyway. It was also a totally legal copy of it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. we, we, We went to our nearest blockbuster and picked it up. All the way in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> I would love if there was a part of Hollow Knight where you just find a blockbuster like, underground. <laughs> oh, 
Blockbuster Nada. They hand you Joe Dirt on VHS. Blockbuster Nada. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Have we talked about this? Have we talked about my Blockbuster experience? Oh, let's get in. I wa- I worked at Blockbuster like during the last months of that company existing. Oh wow! It was really so interesting. While the sky was falling. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I worked at one. Uh, I'll tell the story very quickly. But I, I I worked at one. I was there. It was literally my first day. Like I got hired. I went there. I was there for training. And the way training worked was like it was me and the manager and someone else were in the in the store at a time. And I just had to sit there on like their ancient computer and just go through all these like tutorial CDs on like how to work at Blockbuster. And you have to take all these quizzes and stuff. So eventually the manager it gets late enough. It's like towards the end of the shift, the manager's like, okay, I'm going home. I'm going to leave the keys to, I forget the person's name that I was working with. I'm going to leave the keys to this person. They know how to lock up, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Brendan, you just keep taking this test and whatever. Okay, cool. So I, I was just trying to like finish all the, all the, um, like introductory things, whatever. So anyway, I'm taking the one on what to do if the store gets robbed. And while that's happening, a guy comes into the store with a big bag and just starts taking his arm around all the Blu-rays and just dumping them into his bag and then comes up to the candy and just starts dumping it all into the bag. (laughs) And he starts to walk out. And the girl I'm working with is like, hey, are you going to pay for that? And he goes, yeah, let me go get my wallet. And he just runs away. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm taking the test the ones when the store gets robbed and the store just got robbed. What so, did the test say to do? The test said uh, to not talk to the person and to ignore them and just like call the police immediately after they leave. Well, like, you did the first two parts. Yeah. Well, yeah. she didn't. I did. Uh, I didn't talk to the person. She asked the person if he was oh, going to pay for this right, stuff. Yeah. So anyway, a- after that, we called the police, gave them a, a description of the person, whatever. And they're like, oh, that guy's out in the parking lot eating all the candy right now. <laughs> <laughs> So then they say, hey, do you mind if we set up a a VHS player here and watch a few movies (laughs) just for evidence? So I I had to because I didn't know how to close up the store and and she did. um, I had to go to the police station and I had to give a statement on what had happened and how we got robbed. And they arrested the guy. And that was my first night at Blockbuster. And I remember getting a call from the regional manager of all the Blockbusters in the area. And he was like, good job, kid. You can keep all the candy. That isn't, that's, I don't even know what adjectives to use there. And that was my first day at Blockbuster. Wow. Yeah. And then I went on, all the stores started closing and I got shuffled around from store to store to store until Dish Network bought them and then closed out all of them. I'm amazed that FYE is still in business. Yeah, right? How do they get out of there? They have like, like real estate and malls and stuff. It's like, I, I, (laughs) so my first, we're going on a bunch of tangents, but you know, whatever. Um, No, this is all about Mario Kart. This is all, we'll, we'll, we'll veer back eventually. We're falling off right now. The key dude is pulling us back on. <laughs> uh, we're just losing some coins here. My first college class ever was called Dinosaurs. Just Dinosaurs. And it was a really involved class. It was my natural science requirement because I was an English major. Yeah. What is it about Blockbuster or? <laughs> no, it was about dinosaurs. <laughs> but when they talked about like when all these dinosaurs went extinct and yeah. what ended up surviving, mm. it's like strange to look at like the more advanced species of life all went extinct whereas like the more primitive forms of life all survived yeah so like a lot of the reptiles and 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 amphibians that we know today yeah that's kind of how you look at FYE it's like <laughs> how did this thing get out yeah uh, I mean I, I've always enjoyed my time there I'm no shade on the brand <laughs> yeah it's just like they are for sure a video store yeah like, you can only buy there though you can't rent that's true it's not a rental it's probably how they are still around yeah they also did the thing that GameStop is doing now where they have like a lot of merchandise. We talk about GameStop every episode. Yeah. Well, I just like talking about them because eventually they're going to go away. <laughs> and, and we're going to be able to laugh about it. 
on this podcast. Again, there are plenty of people who work against it that are very nice, very friendly. Absolutely. But the brand is bad. Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. That's our daily <laughs> GameStop, whatever. GameStop watch. <laughs> Ugh. Um, you're right. There's Mr. Like, GameStop there. watch. Sorry. Mr. GameStop and watch. Yeah. Uh, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. There was a time, actually, when I was, like, the most into that game uh, on the Wii U when it came out for Wii U, where any time I, I got on an, uh, an entrance ramp to the highway, as soon as I started speeding up, I would start going, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's a game. Have you played that game handheld ever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I play that game handheld with headphones on. Oh, okay. And the bassist, I don't know if there's this one bassist, but whoever, yes. whoever whomever mm-hmm. played bass for Mario Kart <laughs> is incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The first track especially, I was because I, I I got like one headphone was just all bass. Like this is awesome. Yeah, really awesome. That score is ridiculous. It really is. Yeah. It's just that again, the, like I understand like you could talk about like that they ported it or whatever, but the game itself. They could have even on the Wii U. They could have just made a Mario Kart. They yeah, could have made like Mario Kart Wii Two or whatever. Yeah, or they could have done the Splatoon thing, where it's like take most of the assets and call it a new thing. You yeah. know. Yeah, but it's it's like from the ground up, just a great game. Yeah, and uh, I haven't played online too much. I can't comment on that. Mm. Have you? Oh yeah. Your eyes just became very big. Yeah. So a little bit of background on me and and Mario Kart Eight, but uh, when it came out, I was dating someone who didn't have to work uh, a lot like during the summer okay so basically i would come home from work every single day and she would just be playing mario kart like all day and then i would come home sit down and we would just sit down and play mario kart for like hours oh yeah uh, online because you could do two player online like, oh, you'd bring cool. the second person locally online with you and we got real good we got like really <laughs> good at mario kart um which is what we were talking about when we were at lunch before recording but like i got obsessed with like at first, I played as Rosalina pretty much exclusively, and then the person I was dating got really into Rosalina, so I was like, okay, I'm going to just move to Waluigi, which is the beginning of my obsession with Waluigi, was in Mario Kart 8, saying, like, I got to pick a new character, who's it going to be? Yeah. Um, and I just, like, lo- I knew that Waluigi wasn't, like, the meta of that game, but I was like, I'm going to play <laughs> Waluigi, and I... I don't know. I just got really good at it. I like I'm at the point where it's like I don't even have to think about it, but I know exactly how long it takes when doing like you get used um, to the weight of a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I know exactly when to let go of the, of the um. I just forgot the the name for it. The slide. Terrible, this, yeah, I know what you mean like uh, drifting. Drifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly when to let go of the drift. Like I know it's like muscle memory. It's like riding a bike at this point. Yeah. Uh, whenever I'm playing as Waluigi Literally. in that game. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. My I, three that I'm alternating between are actually the Inkling kids, mm. uh, Inkling girls specifically. Yeah, uh, Dry Bones and Tanuki Mario. Oh yeah, I love how much Tanuki Mario wants to prove himself. Like, <laughs> I feel like the facial expression and the, and the, yeah. and the slow motion cutscenes. He's like, I'm here yeah. to like differentiate myself from Mario. Do you think the people that made Dragon Ball Z Fighters played uh, Mario Kart? eight and we're like oh wait if they can have eight marios we can do the same thing with goku in our game (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder i I feel like there's something about like flagship characters that just have like eight different forms yeah there's like a bunch of sonics there's a bunch of yeah uh goku's a bunch of marios a bunch of links yeah um wolf link shadow link we didn't link young link (laughs) we didn't talk about this during the the smash brothers conversation but don't you think the shadow the hedgehog is going to end up being an echo fighter for sonic I would love that, honestly. I bet you. Like, I'm not a huge Sonic fan, but I think that that would just be cool. And I think that like or Knuckles, that would be great. 
Uh, yeah, I think Knuckles would be cool just because I could see the glide mm-hmm. coming back from the stage. Mm. But I feel like he would be different enough from Sonic that he wouldn't be an Echo Fighter. Whereas yeah. Shadow would just be like a slower, more ethereal Sonic. With guns. <laughs> that game is yeah. whatever. Sorry, I took us off track again. No, it's fine. Like you do. Bring us home. Lucky to bring us home. <laughs> Probably the name of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to tell you to get Mario Kart Explorer to have it, but it, I just yeah. think it was worth. It's a game that I feel like is just like a staple that I wanted. Uh, and it's a bit of a slower week, so that's kind of why we're talking about it. But um, the act of playing it on like my stay at home has been really like sweet and awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I love it. Mario Kart Eight Mario Deluxe, Kart 8 Deluxe, very not good. Just, not just a port, not just a, not just any old port. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's it's the Wii U like kind of got like up to the, like past the baton, and all that was left was Splatoon. And, mm-hmm. and uh, what else is good for the Wii U? You had a Wii U. Um, I did have a Wii U. I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, actually, I have the games over there. Let me go look. Yeah, sure. I'll talk to the birds outside for a bit. What's your favorite Sonic game? Hey, birds! You like Sonic? Um, oh, yeah. Pikmin 3 was good, wasn't it? Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. Also, oh. another uh, definitive port for the Switch. There are some good games on Wii U. For sure. Okay, wait. Um, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Oh, nice. Was really good. Yeah. Um, the one game, I think... Let me say this into the microphone, but the one game on Wii U that I would love to see ported to Switch is uh, Super Mario 3D Land. Yeah. Holy shit. That, that game, game is so great. good. Yeah. It's so good. I, I, I've often said this, not on the podcast, but um, I feel like Mario Odyssey is the next step for Mario. Absolutely. And Mario 3D World is like what has built, like everything that's come before. Yeah. Uh, so Mario 3 World is like the ultimate nod to the past, and Mario Odyssey is the step forward. Yeah, this is a very tangential um, comparison, but it kind of reminds me of how Horizon Zero Dawn came out, and it was like, this, if you're going to make an open world game of that type, like that is the ultimate version of it. Like They have learned from every open world game ever, yeah. and made the perfect version of what everyone is doing. And then Breath of the Wild came out two weeks later, and was like, this is the future of that. Sure. Um, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be home. Video games. Video games. Video games in New Jersey. Video games in New Jersey. This has been fun being in person. Um, yeah. And the birds outside. Yeah. Excuse. Uh, sorry about all the audio stuff. If there's some problems with it or whatever, um, it won't happen next week. It but... will not because we'll be away from each other. <laughs> Finally. Finally. Um, but yeah, what's coming up that we're excited about? Um, I'm not super sure. I'm actually just excited to like get more into stuff. Um, yeah. That I'm already playing. Uh, I, I'll actually maybe have some Destiny stuff to talk about next week because um, the new PvP slash PvE game mode that's coming out in Destiny 2 is going to get released early uh-huh. soon. And also they're adding a bunch of the new like features for the DLC early because they have to. Like I don't know what it is, but something like systemically they have to add those new features in before the actual expansion like story content comes out so you'll get to like play around with it before there's a story to explain it which is weird (laughs) um so i'm excited about that besides that not too much i'm replaying pokemon x playing animal crossing let's talk more about that with you okay pokemon x yeah a lot of thoughts and opinions on that really well most i think it's a great game but there's a lot of just funny stuff to talk about yeah yeah totally um 
that is also a game that I think feels like. I remember I played that game and I was like, I kind of hope this is the last Pokemon game. I mean, a good one. Oh, really? Yeah, we to, can talk more about that next. Yeah, time. we we should talk about it more because yeah, to me yeah. it felt like the beginning of new Pokemon games. Maybe that's it. It, did, it definitely felt like a. It felt like that's a, that's a series that has really suffered from the same formula. Yeah. Like, we talked about this before, but like they literally repeat. I can't get over this, but they literally repeat the trope of having someone's PC. Yeah. And then you meet <laughs> that person yeah. and then it's named after them. Right. Which is like so bizarre to me that they had the need to like do that again. Yeah. After Bill's PC. Um, like that's the reason people are coming back <laughs> like, and, and x and y it's like just a dude means like, oh that's my pc like whatever yeah i think it's like either amanita or lysander i could be wrong yeah i don't remember anyway um but yeah x and y is like the first pokemon since silver and gold that like felt like a sequel yeah uh even though i really liked black and white i thought black and white was awesome i thought they were, I, those were the only ones that i haven't finished black and white yeah both of them um there's a giant bag of trash in black and white. Garbodor. Gar- yeah. Uh, I say Garboder. Uh-huh. I like Garbodor. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah. Garboder makes way more sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's Garboder, but Garbodor sounds way better. Actually, Garbodor sounds like it should be an X and Y. Yeah. More French. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next time. Yeah. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Uh, as always, Brent and I have been really happy with just the reception so far. We really have fun doing this. Um, this is kind of born out of like our desire to get back in touch and talk about video games again and i'm happy that other people like listening mm-hmm. we same <laughs> <laughs> that's all it really is to say i know we say it every week but i i have trouble expressing how much it means to me yeah no i i feel exactly the same way it's a yeah. it's a fun podcast and and people reaching out and saying that they like it is really cool um, yeah and not to like get too in the weeds but we just checked out the the download numbers and it's like pretty consistent so yeah. there's like a bunch of you that are coming back every week so thank you for that yeah you weren't just like i'm only interested in octopath traveling. yeah yeah and that's it um so that's very cool so thanks for listening you can find us on the internet uh, I'll put the I'll put links in the show notes. Oh no, I won't because that's where stories go. Uh, if you haven't read the stories, go read those. But anyway, uh, I guess my name is Brendan Bigley. Well, my name actually definitely is Brendan Bigley, and you can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I guess my name is Stephen Hilger, <laughs> and you can maybe find me at Stephen Hilger. Actually, that is true because I've said it before. There's another Stephen Hilger with a very more powerful <laughs> SEO than me. But yeah. maybe that will change one day. Yeah, he's right. awesome. He's cool. I don't know, but he that's, seems cool. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. The the first Brendan that if you just go to the internet and you type in Brendan B R E N D O N, uh, it's I think the guitarist from Thirty Seconds to Mars. Oh wow. Or a different band like that. Anyway, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Off to Mars. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Bakudu, take us away. <laughs>